Let's find a seat. Good morning to you. I'm sorry, help me out. Good morning to you. Good deal, good deal. A couple of things. Is Angela and David in the room? Angela, Kalim, and David Fultz, stand up. Would you stand up? Stand up. There you go. Angela and David uh, really shepherded our Korean intercessors last week, and we're grateful for them. Give them a round of encouragement. Thank you both. Uh, Denisa Cooper did so much with meals as we had a great week of intercession. Uh, we're, I thought we would finish the book of Revelation today, but obviously from the first service we are not. But the title of the message is Even So Come. Say it with me please. Even So Come. I love this print I just came upon this week of the Lord Jesus We speak about Jesus being meek and mild. When he comes back, he will not be meek and mild. He is a warrior king in his white robe. The scripture is drenched in the blood of his enemies. Now, before we read our text, uh, I just want to say, Christians, please vote. Christians should be registered. We have an election on Tuesday. It is a primary election. Every single election is important. And if you don't know who to vote for, it's not about, it's not about TV commercials. You can talk to people that know some of these folk and that's a good way to see who you would want to vote for. Also, a lot of things change in the summertime because of our semester emphasis. But we're going to be teaching how to share your faith five Thursdays in June. Uh, If you've never done it, this is a great chance. We're just going out to parks and areas where people gather from six o'clock. We will meet here, do a little training, pray a little bit, and then we're going to go out and just talk to people. I came to Christ because of strangers witnessing to me. So if you've never done that, done that, we will teach you how to just start conversations. Okay, book of Revelation. We're going to start at chapter 1 and preach through the entire book. It's a joke. Hold your book up. Let me see you got your Bibles. Bring your Bibles. Bring your Bibles. And we want to start today by looking at where we started. Revelation 1, verse 3. Do you have it in your Bible? You should mark it. Blessed. Everyone say blessed. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and who heeds the things that are written in it. For the time is what? The time is near. It's the only book in the Bible that has a blessing up front if you read it and study it. Now let's go to chapter 22, our final chapter in the book. And we're going to divide up this section into three sections. And if you like to read like I do, it's the last pages of any book that are the most important pages. 
And so the most important thing to the king is found here, even in this last chapter. Now let's start. I'm reading out of New American Standard today. Chapter 22, verse 1. And if you guys are watching online, please get a Bible and follow me. And then he showed me, no, oh, back up. Verse 6. Let's go to 6. We did that last week. And he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bond servants the things that must soon take place. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the word of the prophecy in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, do not do this. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and those who heed the words of this book. Instead, worship God. Say that please, worship God. And he said to me, verse 10, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. Verse 11, let the one who does wrong You keep doing wrong. And the one who is filthy, you still be filthy. And the one who is righteous, you still practice righteousness. And the one who is holy, keep himself holy. Verse 12, for I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Now the first division in this passage talks about the greatness of the Word of God, greatness of the Bible, greatness of the Scripture. And the angel told John to write this down for us. He said, these words, these words right here are faithful. Everyone say faithful, which means they are reliable. They are reliable every day of your life. And then the second description is they are true. Everyone say true, which means they are accurate. How do you know the Bible is true? I could give about 15 or 20 reasons, but let me give you one today. Are you ready? Just open it for yourself. Open it and read it. And you will discover something. Well, what will I discover? Well, let me tell you. This is like a typical zoo in a large city. And the question is, at this zoo, how would you know the gorilla is in his enclosure? How would you know that? All you have to do is open the door. And sooner or later, you will see the 500-pound silverback. And he will be glad to be out. And he will probably greet you, but it may not be a friendly greeting. So if you want to know 
There's actually a gorilla back there. All you got to do is open the door, release the gate. This book that we are teaching out of is the only book in the entire world that when you or anybody alive, you open the book, the author shows up. This book transformed my life 50 years ago as a brand new Christian. The guy that discipled and mentored me was a man of the book. He could open the book and seemingly make it talk on any page. And I'd never seen that before. My family were closed to the book because we had never opened the book, never been taught to open or read the book. But my mentor gave me a hunger for the book. And every time I open it, the author of the book shows up. Now here's a verse I want you to repeat with me, please. These are Christ's words. And John said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me. Every story, every book, every chapter, every page, our Savior is either in the foreground or the background. This is his book. This is a sacred book, a holy book. Have you ever heard of the man, Lou Wallace, who was born in Brookville, Indiana. Do I have any Hoosiers in the room? Please hold your hand up in pride. Don't be ashamed. I'm a Hoosier. Hoosiers are great people. And this is a great man. I love his whiskers, Lou Wallace. Do you know who Lou Wallace was? A famous Hoosier. Maybe the most famous Hoosier of all Hoosiers. A who's who of Hoosiers. (laughs) He was later governor of Indiana. And if you go to the Capitol in Washington, D.C., every state in the Union has a statue of one of their heroes in the U.S. Capitol. And Indiana's statue is of Lou Wallace. The Civil War started in 1861. He volunteered to lead a regiment of Hoosiers. And he was promoted to lieutenant colonel and then colonel. And then he became brigadier general almost at the beginning of the war. A group of men in our church about two years ago, went on a history trip to see the Shiloh battlefield. And he was there leading a brigade of Hoosiers in that battle. But as he was about to lead his troops into battle, a man on a horse came to him, countermanding his command, telling him, do not lead your men into this battle here circle around and go the other direction. And it was confusing. 
And it took a delay of time for him to get his troops into battle. The roads were muddy and it was rainy. It was a very difficult time. And because he was late to the battle, his reputation was stained for many years. In 1876, he was on a train that would have looked kind of like this on his way to see his brother in Indianapolis. He was with a friend in his passenger car and there was a knock on the sliding door to his compartment. He got up, he opened it. And there was a man who had served under him as a colonel. His name was Robert Ingersoll. This is a photo of him. If you don't know who this is, Robert Ingersoll was one of the greatest debaters and lecturers of that time. He traveled all over the country speaking, but he was called the great agnostic because he destroyed people's faith. Apparently, as a young man, his father was a devoted pastor. And several churches treated this pastor horribly. And the little boy that watched this got angry at people and church and God and decided God did not exist and I will spend my life proving it. So this is Robert Ingersoll. And he said, I heard you were on this train. Would you please follow me down to my compartment? Let's talk. Let's pick up old times. And let's talk about specific things. And there's one thing that Robert Ingersoll always wanted to talk about. That was there was no God. So Lou, Lou Wallace says this of Ingersoll. There's his picture. He went over the whole question of the Bible. That it was not authentic that the soul was not immortal that christ was not divine there was no place called heaven and no place called hell and in his own words lou wallace said i felt like he vomited forth these arguments rapid fire one after the other for two hours and when the train arrived at the station What little faith I had was destroyed. He said, there on the dark streets of Indianapolis, I started pacing the city streets, wondering about if God was real, if the Bible could be proven true or false. And he said, all my life, I've pretty much, I've been to church some, but I've been indifferent to faith and religion. But he said, I have a problem here. Either God exists or God does not exist. Either he's personal or he's impersonal. Either Christ is who he said he was or he is a liar. So he said, I'm going to make it my study. To figure these great questions out because I need conviction one way or the other. So he goes, well, how do I go about such a study? 
He came up with a novel idea. He said, I'm not going to buy a bunch of commentaries. I'm not going to listen to a bunch of other, other people preach. I'm not going to read books about the Bible because I will soon lose interest because I know how I'm wired. So here's what I'm going to do. There's a picture of him writing. To keep focused, I'm going to study. Then I'm going to put my study into a historical novel. And I'm going to study about the divinity of Jesus Christ. And he did that for four years. And the novel was complete. He found a publisher. And this is the novel he wrote. Ben-Hur, A Tale of the Christ. Now, if you've never read the book, how many of you have seen the movie? You've seen the movie? So in writing the book, Lou Wallace became a dedicated follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the book sold okay, just a few copies, 50 million copies. You want to know if the Bible is true or not? Open the door. Stick your nose in it. And the author will show up. Then the Lord Jesus said this. He said, I'm coming quickly. How quick? I do not know. I know it's a day sooner than it was yesterday. He's coming quickly, he said. And if he's coming quickly then I need to think about what does it mean if he's coming quickly? Does that mean 40 years? Does that mean four years? How quick will it be? All I know, life keeps going by rapidly just like this. How many know what I'm talking about? Some of us in this room keep having birthdays. I had one this week. There were so many candles on the cake, the cake fell off the table. The fire department came, but I don't have as many candles as this dear lady. Life's going by fast. And we'll all be in eternity. Then he says, you are blessed. Everyone say blessed. What does it mean, blessed? It doesn't mean happy. Well, I'm blessed. I'm happy. It doesn't mean that. Or somebody sneezed and I say, well, bless you. No, it doesn't mean that. Here's what blessed means. It means something you got a benefit today that you did not have yesterday. Do you like benefits? I like benefits. And you didn't earn it. It was bestowed. It was given to you. It was a grace from God. It was a gift from heaven. That is a blessing. Something you couldn't do last week Now you have the grace to do this week. Something that was broken a month ago is now in the process of healing because you have been blessed of God. And the angel said, blessed are you if you heed, please repeat the word heed. If you heed, pay attention to the words of this sacred book.
And John says in verse 8, I'm writing this as a testimony that I'm the word, the one that heard this. I'm the one who saw these things. I'm telling you the truth. This is for you guys in Lexington today. And the accumulation of the vision of all the whole 22 chapters is so overwhelming that John did what I would have done. He just fell on his face in order to worship. I highly recommend that. And the super being, the angelic messenger, picked him up and said, don't do that, don't go there. I am a created being just like you. I am a servant of God just like you. I am not to be worshipped. And in a paraphrase, I want you to say this, worship the creator, say it please, Worship the creator and say, never the created. We can appreciate creation, but I'm never going to worship that. God alone is to be worshiped. So John was told, don't seal up the words of this book. And why would John be told that? The answer is given because the time is getting closer and closer. I felt prompt, pushed, nudged to start this study on Revelation a year ago because our country has gone through so much and things change so quickly. And we are moving on a collision in history. And I just, as a bird, as a pastor, I felt burdened because the average Christian in America who has never read the book at all, who knows nothing about the book of Revelation, that is given a blessing for people that read it and think through it, that they are going to be totally lost when these things unfurl and will make horrendous decisions because of pressure. The time is near. I do not know how near. People desperately need to know what the Bible says, not just Revelation, all 66 books of the Bible, they need to know it's all good news. Even if some of it is hard, there's a verse in Amos, Amos chapter 8, verse 11, where the prophet is told to tell the people of God, the days are coming, declares the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land. It's not a famine of food. It's not a famine of water. It will be a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. Friends, I think we are there. So are we going to seal up the book? Are we going to open up the book? What are we going to do? 
So here's what your your pastor, your friend is going to ask you. Are you systematically, methodically passing on the words of this book to other people? To your children? It's really not the youth pastor's job or the senior pastor's job to teach your children. How about your neighbors in your neighborhood? How about the 200 people you work with? You teenagers, how about your friends, your best friends at school? You folks in college, how about you? Do you care about your classmates? Are you aware that there's a, there's a famine in the land? So what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Let me give some observations here. If you have been a Christian longer than one week, and if you've been a Christian longer than a week, hold your hand up. Been a Christian longer than a week. Excellent. Guess what you're qualified to do? You can teach someone else the book. Well, Steve, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, seminary trained. That may hurt you. Or I'm not qualified. I don't have a gift of teaching. So? Well, I don't have much experience. I don't know about the tough things in the scriptures. Most people will never ask you about them. Well, how do I learn? Here's the principle. You learn as you go. If you're going to wait till you understand it all, you will never do anything. You have to just get started. Hosea said, my people are destroyed by what? They don't know the things and the way of God. Now, I'm not the example. Maybe I'm one example Heard the gospel outside the church. Strangers talking to me about Jesus. My life was changed. I had a guy who was a high school teacher. He was 26. Do I have any 26-year-olds? He came into my life, became a mentor to me. He taught English at a rival high school, and he coached baseball. He gave me a ride home. That started a conversation. I didn't know he was passionate about Jesus. We became friends. I saw him about once a week for a year and a half. He was a guy who led people to Jesus. He is a guy who was committed to prayer. He loved his wife. He could talk to anybody. And the most amazing thing about Jerry, seemingly he could open this book 
and make it talk seemingly on any page. I had never seen that before. In my church, the Bible was never taught. My family never read the Bible. We never prayed. We were spiritually ignorant. We were just good people going to a religious organization. That's all we were. Hanging around Jerry gave me a passion because I started opening the book. The author started showing up. We had a tiny youth group of five people that had nobody wanted to lead them. And all of a sudden, after a month of being a Christian, I was the new youth guy. And I found out it wasn't about me. It was about them. And it was about him. And we all started growing together. Now, this has become a passion of mine. For over 50 years, I have probably taught the scriptures to groups an average of five to six times different groups every week for 50 years. Some of you that are in small groups, you're with the same people you've been with for 20 years. They've only grown this much. And there's all these people around us who don't know anything, and yet you're hanging out with your friends. You could start a Bible study in your home. You could start a Bible study after school. In a couple weeks, I will show you a simple process how anybody can do it. Anybody. There's people from all over the globe coming to Lexington. They have no Christian friends, and yet you live a block down the street. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is convicting the entire world of sin, what's wrong, of righteousness, what's right, and that there is coming judgment one day. And you could be the answer to their prayers. You see the church. Isn't the church in this building. It is only the church. When we go outside of the building. Connect with people. Love them. And help lead them lovingly. To know their God. That's the church. Someone say amen. Please help me out. If you don't help me out. We'll go through the whole outline. Now read this, read this passage with me, please. So then, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do likewise will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But read this. But whoever practices and teaches them will be called in the kingdom of heaven. That could be you. Now, anything in life, whether it's hitting a golf ball or shooting a foul shot or doing well in the stock market or playing guitar, it takes repetition and time to develop skill. And if you will just get started and I'll show you how to do it, you will find something you will become passionate about. Now, our Savior in verse 18, gives a sobering warning about the word of God. He's saying, don't you mess with it. 
It is extremely insulting and dangerous to doubt a person's word. Because if you doubt their word, you doubt their character. And Jesus said a lot of stuff about scripture, but he said heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never, ever, ever, ever pass away. They're faithful. They're true. Now, let me give you the best example I can give today. Prophecy is being fulfilled today. Today, today, today. And most people don't even know it. Today is the 75th anniversary of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. This is a photo of Independence Hall in Tel Aviv. We're a nation that had been obliterated for 2,000 years. The language had almost died out. The people were scattered. The greatest miracle in our lifetime happened May 14th, 1948. The father asked one of his prophets in the Old Testament, can indeed a nation be birthed in one day? And the prophet said, Lord, how would I know that? He said, it can. And it happened May 14th, 1948. It's the greatest miracle of my lifetime. And it shows that God warned his people, if you follow idols, if you turn your back on me, I will scatter you to the nations of the earth. He said that over and over and over, and they still did it. But he said, the time will come. I will gather you from the four corners of the earth back to the place I promised Abraham. God's word is perfectly true. And the angel said, don't add to God's word. The angel said, don't take away from God's word. Well, what do you mean, Steve? It means we are to treasure God's word as one of the most valuable things in our life. When dad gets up in the morning, we hope his children would see him reading God's word. We hope that you as a grandmother, when you pass away, your grandchildren will find your Bible and they will find notes and dates and encounters with the Lord. And they'll say, my grandmother prayed for us. Look here on this page where she prayed for me. It is my greatest treasure You want your family to say about you. So therefore, if it's such a treasure, we should, as we are helping people know God, we should tell them all of it. We should tell it very plain. We should tell it on a third grade level. God's word is not easy to live, but it's simple. And we need to tell it to people very simply. This is what he says. 
And it's for our benefit. And we should tell it well. Tell it well. Tell it well. And then we should tell it sweet. Often Christians, when they're engaging people that are new to the faith or not yet in faith, can be harsh and condemning and complaining and critical and condescending, and that shouldn't be us. Here's a passage where Peter writes, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Always being prepared to make a defense to everyone who asks to give an account of the hope that's within you. Yet, here's the standard. Always be gentle. Always show respect. Always be sweet. Their lifestyle is not the issue. The issue is God loves them, and I love them. That's the issue. Now, we're going to stop right there. Worship team, can you come out? We ended early, and they freaked out. They were at the movies or somewhere. I don't know where they were. I can't tell you how important Jesus' words are for us. We need to think about these things. I would urge you to read this last chapter. Read the whole book, but read, read the last chapter repeatedly and go, Lord, what do you want to say to me? The rest of the chapter talks about eternal rewards. What are they based on? What are you saying to the body of Christ, Lord? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come in your power. Bring clarity, Lord. Speak to your people down in our hearts. Help us to identify what you're saying. Maybe you're here today and you're not right with God, but you you feel the need to repent, to confess, to get right with God. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord and you're ready to come back. Or maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. The voice of God's Spirit speaking to you. Tell Him yes.
You can pray with me a prayer of surrender right now. Lord Jesus, I confess my rebellion, my pride, my selfishness. And I lay it all down and I surrender to you. I surrender. I let go of everything. Save me today. Be my Savior today. Wash me clean. Be my Savior and Lord and give me a home in heaven. And for some of us who've had the word for many years, but you've sealed it up. You've not opened it to others. You've not built bridges. You've not taken at least one hour, the 168 hours the Lord has given you to get the word into somebody else. Lord, speak to us and tell us who you want us to open the word of God to and meet with over a period of weeks to help them to grow. Lord, release a revolution of a hunger for the word of God and a commitment to spread it. The altar is open as we continue to worship for the next minutes.
in this service by just singing this old hymn out together.
Lord, I thank you for eternity, the glory of heaven, the opportunity to serve you forever, to see loved ones. But Lord, we have work to do here. Call your people, mobilize your people. And for people that made decisions for Christ today, may they come and tell one of us and walk faithfully with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Slip out quietly. There's people doing business with the Lord. Pick up your children. If you want prayer, please stay. Thanks for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, would you please reach out to us? We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for more information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week. God bless.